this is Base Layer, brought to you by Arca. I'm your host, David Nage. This is Base Layer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. Welcome back to Base Layer. This is David, and this is your new episode with Tim from Staked. Staked is a new company out there that is working with proof-of-stake companies and projects. Tim has an amazing background in traditional finance and also in technology. He's about 20 years in tech. He was at a Y Combinator-backed company called Think Gaming. Uh, he was the founder and CEO of a company called AdBuyer.com. He's had a lot of success in technology and started staked a few years ago. There's a whole big thing that's happening with crypto assets moving from unproductive assets to what Tim calls productive assets. We talk about yield and we talk about some of the projects like Definity and others out there. Ethereum is moving from proof of work to proof of stake. What does staking mean? What is the yield that people are actually starting to get from staking uh, for those networks? We talked about the five ways to earn yield uh, in terms of staking, work tokens, lending, market making, some other ones out there. We really took a deep dive into that. So this is great for people that don't know necessarily too much about it and even people who do know a lot about it. So it's a great one to take a look at. Um, Tim also was pretty uh, uh, interesting in terms of conversation around his confidence around staking uh, assets. He, uh, the market is about $6 billion right now, and he believes that it's going to get to about $30 billion in 2020. And a lot of that has to do with Ethereum moving from proof of work to proof of stake. We also uh, talked about some of the margins and some of the players coming into the space. Um, and so Tim was talking about, you know, obviously being the best. And we talked about how Amazon is the best and is able just to provide the best customer service and the best platforms. And I think Tim has the right idea about that. We learned a little bit more about Tim in terms of what he's reading and what he's listening to. Tim is a country music fan, although he likes to say the new country music. So he takes the cake as being the first one on Bass Layer to like that type of music. It's a great conversation. You're going to learn a lot. Please remember, nothing on Bass Layer is investment advice. So please do your own research. And on the flip side, you'll hear the conversation with Tim. Enjoy. This is your new episode of Base Layer. I have Tim from Staked with us. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, David. So Tim has got a really, really phenomenal background in tech. He's been a builder. He's been a founder. He's been an investor. He started, I think, his career at J.P. Morgan back in the 90s. And so it's great always to see people coming from the institutional side, coming into technology, especially now in crypto. Staked helps cryptocurrency companies and investors earn a 5 to 50% annualized interest rate on their holdings, and they run staking nodes and infrastructure that allows investors to securely and reliably earn block rewards. So we're going to learn all about what Staked is. Everyone's been talking about Staked, and everyone's talking about staking now. Ethereum is moving from proof of work to proof of stake, and there's a lot of interesting projects out there. So if you could, uh, just kind of let us, you know, give us a little bit of a background on you uh, before Staked. I know you did <clears> the <throat> Think Gaming, which was a Y Combinator-backed company, and you've been involved in a lot of different things. So just to get a sense of your background for the listeners, you know, tell us a little bit about you, and then we'll go into Staked and about what's happening in this world. Sure, great. Um, well, in terms of my background, I've been an entrepreneur for roughly 20 years. 
I spent first 10 years of my career in, in uh, building and launching new internet businesses. I'd come in pre-launch, pre-revenue, build a real business, and then uh, successful exit across a couple different categories in consumer internet. I then have spent the last 10 years of my career building businesses for myself. I built and sold a ad technology business called a demand side platform to a company here uh, in the city called Media Ocean. I built and, and um, run a data platform called Think Gaming, which is was backed by Y Combinator uh, and provides insights and data for mobile gaming publishers to build better games. And um, more recently, I've been focused on Staked, which is a uh, a platform to help institutional investors earn yield on their crypto. As you mentioned, I did spend, we'll get into it a little bit, I spent a year on the debt derivatives desk at JP Morgan as I started my, my career just out of school. So let's get into that. Let's talk about that as it was maybe potentially a piece of the kind of overall formulation of what you're doing now. So let's talk about that. Yeah, so so I spent uh, a couple years just poking around in in blockchain and crypto related projects, and everything that I got excited about in terms of new projects that were coming out, things like Cosmos and Polkadot and Definity, uh, were all using proof of stake as a security model. And I saw Ethereum had, had announced that they were going to move from proof of work to proof of stake as a security model, and and when I dug into um, the the mechanics of, of how proof of stake worked, it looked a whole lot like an interest rate to me. And um, there are some nuances to it, but I, you know, back 20 years ago on the debt derivatives desk, I worked and saw the sort of just enormous spread of financial products that come from a simple interest rate. And my core belief is that we're in inning one of that the kind of development of a very similar set of products in crypto and that staking because it, it was sort of right at the base layer of uh, the security model was going to be a really important piece of building that infrastructure i love this because for the last few months i've been playing with this notion that ethereum is to crypto you know basically fixed income to the traditional markets um, if you kind of unravel that, you start seeing that there, you know, with staking, there's yield, and you're effectively, uh, effectively purchasing or participating in the network to support the network while it's building the network, and so it's almost like mes debt, um, and so there's lots of different kind of correlations to traditional markets. Of course, you know, we are trying to revolutionize the world, and but it's not bad to always look a little back to see kind of what things kind of feel similar as we're also trying to build more adoption. Um, so you had given a great presentation. So we just wrapped up Blockchain Week, and you gave a great presentation at Fluidity, which is one of the first conferences that kick off New York Blockchain Week. And you talked about the big change, whereas crypto assets are moving from an unproductive asset to a productive asset. And so wanted you to unpack that a little bit. What does that mean, you know, from an unproductive sure. asset to a productive asset? Sure. I, you know, so generally, almost every crypto asset today is unproductive and, and effectively it's stuffed under the equivalent of a digital mattress. Uh, so the... 
you you generally or, or most people are holding their crypto either on an exchange or on a ledger or, or things like that or third party custodian and it doesn't earn anything and in fact it's actually losing value over time a little bit of value because uh, miners are being paid inflationary coins and in, in typically whatever the asset is bitcoin for example inflates by about four percent annually and so the, the big change that's going on is there are an emerging class of, of ways to do it, staking being being a big one, that can that can allow you to turn crypto from an unproductive asset to a productive asset that actually earns a yield on it. And um, that's a that's a really big change and, and one that we're basically building, the, you know, our, our whole kind of mandate at the company is to build the technology infrastructure to allow that change to happen and to allow investors to earn the yields available without a lot of a lot of headaches and security risks. Now, the unproductive part of that, is that with the proof of stake consensus algorithms, or is that also defined for the proof of work ones, especially with Bitcoin? Well, I think I think Bitcoin is an unproductive asset by and large, right? Um, it's is uh, you don't just earn anything on it. It's a it's a terrific store of value, mm-hmm. even even as an unproductive asset. But um, you know, every year or this year, they will spend a four percent in additional Bitcoin gets created to uh, pay miners for the security model. And what's what's great about the proof of stake model is it basically takes that inflationary spend which you need to secure the network. Uh, and to build the network, and and it it turns it on its head, and it basically pays back the holders of crypto themselves for participating in the security model, and that's that's a big a big change that allows people to effectively earn the yield that had been going out to miners for participating in in the security model. Interesting. I love because everyone. As you know, there is always the Bitcoin camp, and then there's always the Ethereum camp, and then there's always these clashes. And so I love getting into the middle, and I love kind of rustling some of the feathers because, you know, people will say, well, of course, Bitcoin is a productive asset. You know, it's a speculative asset. It's a store value. It's a medium of exchange. It's very, you know, you know, people in Venezuela, and, you know, obviously the Venezuela story seems to be a little bit overblown. But I love, you know, people that try to actually say, well, wait a second. Let's let's actually kind of unravel and unpack some of these things here. So I love that. Um now, you had mentioned on your presentation and in the things that you talk about that there are five ways to earn yield on crypto. So staking, work tokens, lending, market making, liquidity, and payment channels. I would love you to kind of give a description on each one of those, but specifically sure. for work tokens, what does that mean? Explain that. Sure. Well, let me, I'll start, I'll, I'll, we'll track down the list. And, and so we, we currently are tracking five. I expect others are emerging, but um, staking, as we've discussed, is participating in the proof of stake security model that provides the security for cryptocurrencies that use proof of stake as a security model. You can earn a yield that's roughly five to 15% in additional uh, coins in, in whatever crypto asset you hold there uh, by participating in staking. Work tokens are um, they're an extension of staking in that in that most 
work tokens use staking as a security model, but they also use your stake, meaning your, your economic interest in the network, as the, uh, the ability to perform work. And so uh, good examples of this are LivePeer or Augur or Filecoin. And so LivePeer is a network for uh, video transcoding. If you're, if you're Twitch and you need to transcode video into all the different formats that people want to watch it in, uh, that's a very expensive computational exercise. And what LivePeer does is it, uh, it has a decentralized network that will allow video to be transcoded um, and, and the work to be performed by a set of decentralized servers that are effectively a distributed marketplace. And um, Augur, very similarly, arranges marketplaces where questions are answered and resolved over time. And the, the ability to, to play those roles, whether that's a, um, a live peer transcoder, and, and in fact, to get paid for being a live peer transcoder, all comes out of, of ownership and your stake in the, in the network. And so we play a role as a, um, a live peer transcoder and, and a number of these other work tokens, which tend to be um, even higher yields because there's, there's work involved. And so let's kind of unpack a few things. One, does is there a live peer for podcasting, by the way? Because that would be amazing. Have you heard of anything like that? I don't, I don't know of anything. I, um, I'll, I'll look and follow up on that one because it would be amazing. Yes, because we would definitely, basically, or would be using that, by the way. Um, so let's try to... You know, I think, you know, obviously people, I think people are starting to understand what proof of work is versus proof of stake. Um, but for the family offices and the high net worth, we've had Joey from Augur on just recently. We've had a few people that are working on proof of stake. At the very core, you know, the differences in security. So Ethereum is moving from proof of work to proof of stake. At the very core of that, you know, can you just, in a very simplistic way for people that might not understand what kind of a change is that from the mechanical sure. side? Sure. Um, so so the, the general way proof-of-stake blockchain gets created is each new block um, is the, the right to create the next new block is given to the person who first solves a mathematical puzzle. Uh, it's basically finding a, a specific number that that matches a set of criteria that you need. And so miners compete, they use um, you know, giant computers worldwide to try and find that as quickly as possible. And that um, underlying competition provides the security of the network because you've got a lot of, of energy and, and activity going into finding that, which, which keeps everybody honest. Um, there are some challenges with proof of work, specifically, uh, you spend anywhere between five and six billion dollars on energy uh, solving what's what's generally a, just a mathematical puzzle and, and not that useful. There are some issues around uh, what they call finality, which means that when I when I send you money and uh, that's included in in the next block, it's not actually you can't actually count on having that money until waiting in Bitcoin's case, call it an hour or so. And so that, that presents challenges for specific use cases. So proof of stake um, aims to solve a number of, of those shortcomings uh, by using a effectively a voting mechanism where people vote with their stake for honest 
block producers who will produce the next block. And every every proof of stake currency is a little bit different, but generally the people who have more stake get a proportionately higher chance of producing the next block. And if they do it honestly, they earn the block rewards that are created with each new block. And if they do it dishonestly um, or try to cheat the system or don't actually show up when they're supposed to, they get what's called slashed, which is they lose a little bit of their stake. So you have this you have this dynamic where the security, rather than being provided by a mathematical puzzle, is actually provided by people who are saying, you know, I'm going to put my stake with honest people who run nodes and run it correctly and, and make sure they're up 100% of the time. And in return for that, they get the returns that were previously paid out to miners. Right. So I want to dig into this. You've been in tech for a while now, and now you're running staked. And so I don't think this is a difficult question per se, but we've had a lot of people on recently that are talking about the the architecture of the chain. So one of the issues is transactions per second and kind of throughput. And so you have linear type of architecture where it's block after block and you have the 10 minutes and everyone, you know, we're starting to, obviously everyone's starting to understand that. There's reasons for, you know, the kind of architecture for security purposes and to make sure that there's no bad actors that are trying to disrupt things. But overall, it seems that some of the classic architecture is very slow and can't necessarily get to transactions per second that normal, you know, kind of commercial operations are used to. What do you think about that in terms of evolutions of things like DAGs and other kind of architecture out there? Well, I think you that the word evolution is exactly the the right one here, which is I think what you're seeing in crypto is um, an evolution of specific blockchains to specific use cases. And um, so there are there are a bunch of places where speed is not is not necessary and in fact doesn't add a whole lot into the system. If you're just looking to store value over time, uh, you don't necessarily need to transact at at 10,000 transactions per second. On the other hand, there are a whole host of applications, whether that's gaming or, um, you know, different sides of of financial services transactions that are closer to the payment layer uh, that need very high transactions per second. And so I think what you're what you're seeing are an evolution of specific chains to meet very specific use cases. And I think that's a really healthy phenomenon. And, and you're also seeing evolve things like Polkadot and Cosmos, which allow those chains to interact in a, in a fairly seamless way so that um, as they evolve, they're not on an island, but they're actually able to perform work and, and kind of get get your money back into it, the central repository. Agreed. And a uh, shout out to Zaki and those guys and Jay Kwan at Cosmos. Loved uh, hearing more about Cosmos. And uh, for people listening, definitely listen to that episode because interoperability is really important, uh, as, as Tim's alluding to, because different chains can do different operations. And I completely agree with what you said there. So moving towards staked and what you're doing right now, I want to start getting into that, you know, tell people about what staked is. And then I've got some questions about 
kind of your, you mentioned some levels of confidence in terms of the market for it. And you talked about uh, some other things out there, you know, in terms of competition and margins and things like that. You know, I really let's let's delve into staked and learn about what you've built and why you built it. And then let's go into some questions that are relevant to that. Sure. So um, at staked, we build technology infrastructure that allows investors to earn yields on crypto without having to think about the technology underneath it, the security concerns or uptime concerns and, and things like that. Uh, so today we support 11 proof of stake currencies. So if you hold one of those 11 assets, things like Cosmos, Tezos, Decred, Dash, a host of others, uh, you can you can rely on us to earn your staking yield and participate honestly in the proof of stake security model and earn a yield on your assets. We also help investors participate in lending their ETH and DAI. So we have smart contracts that will connect to uh, a bunch of the on-chain Dharma, DYDX, uh, compound that, that will allow you to lend out your ETH and DAI for, uh, again, a yield on your crypto. And we will automatically monitor rates and move you to whatever the highest yielding asset is at any given time. So, um, you know, I think, I think broadly what we're trying to do is provide a platform that allows crypto investors to earn yield on that crypto uh, in an in a easy to kind of execute fashion. And so who's your target audience these days? Is it funds? Is it, is it institutions? We've heard the institutions are coming for so long. I think people are nauseous about that already. Um, right. Who are, who's, yeah. who's using you guys? Our, our early customers are um, funds, uh, funds, high net worth individuals, family offices, so um, early customers, folks like Multicoin Capital, Pantera Capital, Block Tower Capital, you know, some of the more savvy crypto investors who have invested in proof of stake and understand they want to be in, in really the portfolio allocation business, not the uh, running servers business. And so those were a bunch of our early customers. As we've evolved, we also provide infrastructure for exchanges, custodians, and wallets. And so that's a typically a behind-the-scenes exercise, but we're partnered up with some of the largest names in the category where we actually provide the infrastructure so that their customers can earn a staking yield uh, and, and get that reliably without having to worry about it. I think on the institutional front, we like to talk to everybody. Uh, as an entrepreneur, I gotta I gotta earn you know revenue and manage burn today. So I don't I don't spend a lot of time thinking about is is the institutional wave coming in one year or five years, we're going to build our business on folks who are, who are in the market today. And I, but I do, I am a you know long-term believer that there's a big wave coming as well. So let's talk about a, a note that you had. So you said that you believe that the market today is around 6 billion in staked assets. And by 2020, it's going to reach 30 billion. So what's your confidence on that and what drives that confidence level? Well, so um, the the biggest jump in that number is going to come from Ethereum switch from proof of work to proof of stake. They have a test net out and have a plan where I think a, a lot of people are targeting the end of 2019 as the as the earliest launch of what they call phase zero 
Um, that might be a little optimistic, but I think it feels reasonably good that that, that switch is going to happen in, in 2020. I think the, the core is committed to that and they, there are, there's enough progress to make me feel good about that. You've also got a ton of projects that, uh, to the extent that the Ethereum switch doesn't happen, are poised to fill the gap on the smart contract front. And virtually all of them use proof of stake as a security model. I mean, the, the biggest projects, the most advanced projects that, that you know, VCs and investors are most excited about are by and large all using proof of stake. So you have things like Cosmos, Definity, Algorand, Tezos, um, Polkadot, and a number of others, all of whom use proof of stake as, as their security model. So I think I think broadly, if, if you look at the smart contract sector as having thirty billion dollars generally, if you if I, I believe Ethereum is going to do it in two thousand nineteen, but if you don't, I think some of those um, competitors, which have credible smart contracting platforms that are live, are going to are, are going to start to take share as well. And. Just so if people at Algorand are listening, I know I'm talking to you guys already, but we're looking forward to getting you guys on the show because everyone's talking about you. So it's a terrific project as well and and launching soon. So it's timely. Yeah, but let's find out what's going on there. Um, I want you to see this is a, a note that I saw out there recently, and I'd like you to either dispute it or maybe agree with it. But I have a feeling you might have a different opinion. So in regarding of proof of stake, formal Provable guarantees are needed, and current development generally still relies on idealistic assumptions and is often lacking mathematical verification. So, what do you think about that statement? And you know, with Tezos and Decred out there, is this is that right? Yeah. So, I'll start with I'm not a mathematician. I'm an entrepreneur. So, um, you know, this is this is one person's take. But I think what I see is there are two parallel tracks working to ensure the security of proof of stake. The first is formal verification, where a bunch of academics are working to formally verify a bunch of security properties. They've made a ton of progress there, uh, but it's an ongoing effort. And my sense is that's going to continue over the next several years. I think the second track is is probably most important, which is um, the live networks are effectively running the largest bug bounty program anyone has ever seen. Between Tezos, Decred, Cosmos, you've got billions of dollars of assets that if, if it's so easy to hack, I think you know you would have seen some activity happening over some period of time. So um, I think the you know my my security comes as much from the second piece of this, which is there's $100 million available to you if you can actually prove that there's a problem with the Cosmos proof-of-stake security model and get away with it, by the way, because you don't just have to find a problem. One of the, one of the great things about proof-of-stake is you can, you can find yourself hacking the system. And, and if, you're, you know, if you hack Binance, you can basically take that money away and, um, and run with it in a proof of work model because it's it's uh, simply about where the chain is in a proof of stake model you can you can violate security issues and find yourself you know being slashed and you get away with nothing and in fact you may have spent a lot of money so i think i i'm highly optimistic that the 
progress here is going to continue to, to give people comfort that the security model is as strong or, or close to as strong as, as proof of work. Uh, and, and I think has other benefits that the people are gravitating to. And so the last kind of question I wanted to ask about stake, and it's regarding the, the margins that you guys are making and in regards to kind of compression of that, if there's more people coming into the space and how you guys manage that. But just as a backdrop, you know, when you've had companies in the technology space come in, you know, you had Amazon, and Amazon was, you know, effectively, you know, one of the first to do massive e-commerce, but then you've had other players like Jack come in, you've had others that are trying to compete, and Amazon still blows them out of the water because of, you know, the Lindy effect and because they have the best damn product out there. So I'm not saying that, you know, with competition, you guys are going to get squashed. You know, if you have the best product out there, then everyone's going to just use it anyway. But, you know, how do you kind of anticipate, you know, with more competition coming to the space and more people, you know, spending time on proof of stake, how do you guys anticipate that going forward? Well, I think I think the first you, you've already you've already laid out. I mean, we're trying to build the best product possible, the most reliable, with the broadest coverage, that delivers the highest yield for investors. I think the you know market pricing is going to take care of itself. We're not going to try to be the cheapest provider in the category, but um, we're always going to be kind of aggressive and, and market leading in terms of in terms of how we price it. And I think. You know, fundamentally, I think there's a real business here. Uh, there's a big business. And I think the, the most important thing is spending time with customers to make sure we understand what do they need and how do we help them earn the highest yield on their crypto. And, and I just fundamentally believe that we'll get paid for that over time. You know, the um, how it shakes out, I don't I don't totally know. I expect as the market grows um, the the yields that go to customers will probably continue. They will probably continue to get a higher and higher share, uh, and that that's probably okay uh, as long as we're as we're able to do our business and, and continue on. And so, one of the last things that we like to talk to our guests about is the inputs that we put in our brain. So there's reading, there's TV, there's music, there's all sorts of stuff. I like to focus on reading and music um, because you use a lot of your brain when you do that, hopefully. So if there's anything that you've read over the last few weeks or the last few months, either crypto-related or not crypto-related, that you felt was really special, would love to hear about that and why. And then music, what kind of music do you listen to when you're working, when you're traveling? What kind of uh, gets the, the neurons going in there in, in the head? Sure. Um, all right. So on the... Uh... On the reading side, I, you know, I'm not a read tons of nonfiction and, and really boost my brain on that front. I, uh, I read science fiction a bunch. I just read a bunch of the Takashi Kovacs novels. Um, I read a bunch of historical fiction, things like Ken Follett, and uh, I like to uh, read that stuff. And then in terms of music, I, I basically switch between things like alt country, so uh, Sturgill Simpson or uh, Jason Isbell and uh, more hip hop related stuff, kind of nineties related. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Did, you say, my age. did you say country? I did say country. Yeah, alt country though. It's it's a hipper version of country. No, no, no. That's fine, Tim. I'm you're you're taking the the 
you're taking the top of the uh, the heap here because no one said country yet. And so we've had almost 40 some odd guests on the show and no one has said country yet. So Tim Ogilvy, you are the first person to say country amongst the entire crypto right. community. There you go. I don't know what that says. We'll but, have, uh, I'll we'll, take that trophy. We'll have our people send you an award for that. Um, and so one of the things we also like to do is, you know, provide uh, people an ability to kind of learn more about your, your project and the things that you're doing. You know, is there a place where people can learn more? I imagine you have a great website, but also, you know, if they want to get involved, if they want to potentially start using you guys, how do they do that? Sure. Uh, well, our, our website is staked.us, S-T-A-K-E-D.us. And uh, there are a variety of ways you can you can get involved. There's a way to schedule calls with us and, and connect directly with us, as well as a lot of information about the, the crypto assets we support and what we do. So uh, I'd love to hear from any of your listeners. I would definitely, you know, for the folks out there listening, this is a, a project, this is a company that has been making a lot of noise out there. Proof of Stake has been doing, you know, a lot of interesting things. People are really starting to pay a lot of attention to it. Check them out. Uh, check out Tim. To reach out to them. This was Tim at Staked, and uh, thanks Tim for having you know time to come on. And we'll try to get back to you in a few months to see how everything's going over there. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. For more notes from this past episode about our guest, please go to www.ar.ca/baselayer. Nothing stated on this podcast should be taken as investment advice which would require a thorough assessment of each investor's personal financial profile and risk tolerance. Statements regarding past performance are not necessarily indicative of future returns. If you like what you're listening to on Baselayer, let us know. Subscribe, give us a like, or hit us up on Twitter. Arca at Arca or myself, David Nage at DavidJN79. Let us know and we'd love to obviously hear from you. For additional resources to help sophisticated listeners like yourself learn about the digital asset space in the financial terms you understand, please visit www.ar.ca for articles, market commentary, videos, and more.